Well, good evening, my Calvary Chapel of El Paso family and all of those of you who are joining us tonight. We are so grateful to the Lord for the opportunity to minister to your hearts through the teaching of the Word of God. And uh, as you were just hearing Pastor Sean share about this, uh, these new developments, uh, we are certainly praying and hoping for uh, that day when we can all be together, worshiping together. And uh, uh, I might be saying something that uh, is a little tough at times, but uh, to hear because we we want to be faithful to do the right things and, and all, but uh, I'd like for it to be something that is a directive from the Lord himself. You know, the one thing that really has been suffering, like in a lot of cases, uh, like what we've been seeing over the past few weeks, is 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 truth. Truth is the one thing that is is being attacked. It's, it, will we find what the truth is in all of the things that we've been hearing? So, this is when the church has to turn to the Spirit of God, to the gifts that God has given us, uh, to the church, given to the church through the blessing and the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit given to us through Jesus Christ, to use that gift of discerning of spirits, especially now. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that that one of the signs of these end times would would be deception, and deception is is really rampant. And I'm not here trying to put any more question marks in people's heads. I'm just saying that we need to really trust in what God is doing. So up to this point, we we haven't considered that uh, the nation or the states or the governors and all are doing anything completely against the church. No, but at the same time, we are trusting that God will give us the opportunity and the freedoms to do what we've always been called to do, which, was, which is to be an assembly of believers together in the love, mercy, grace, and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So keep that in prayer, if you will, and certainly pray that the Lord grants us that wisdom, understanding, and discernment. This evening, we'd like to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you were with us during the weekend, you'll notice that I had mentioned that last week I had gone into Ecclesiastes, and it was supposed to be 1 Thessalonians, but we're clearing that up. I believe the Lord wants us to stay on Ecclesiastes on Wednesday night. So if uh, you joined us from Sunday... Uh, We welcome you and we encourage you to stay with us uh, on Wednesday nights and on the weekends, on either Saturday night or Sunday morning at 9, or you can watch the the service uh, anytime after the 9 o'clock service, of course, throughout the day on Sunday. Well, tonight we want to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and uh, over the last couple of studies that we've had from chapter 1... We were dealing with the issue of vanity. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The issue of the things that are are being done under the sun, on the earth, which is a, a strong statement of saying this is what the world does under the sun without God. Everything that is done without God and without Christ is worthless. It is completely insignificant. It is, it is a futile 
futile, I should say, and uh, empty. But everything done with Jesus has meaning, purpose, and, of course, is eternal. To, uh, sec, uh, the second part of chapter 1 had to do with the issue of life being like a vapor. And again, it's all tied into the, the perspective of man on the earth, rather than God's perspective that deals with eternity and eternal things and eternal values. As we enter into chapter 2, we're now going to focus our attention on the poverty of pleasures. And uh, we, look at, uh, we look at things that, uh, that Solomon is saying about his own life. Solomon is going to reveal to us that, he's, that he spent time in, a, in his own laboratory, experimenting in life, experimenting in things, trying to put together things that are both eternal and temporal, and say somehow maybe they can work together for, uh, for, for life, you know, so, so that we can ask, ask that question and answer it, is life really worth living? Does life that is worth living require anything from this earth? Well, there are certainly some things. Of course, we, we live in this earth. We breathe on this earth. We have to eat in the, on this earth and all. And all of these are, 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 are very basic things pertaining to physical life. But when we're dealing with issues that uh, pertain to the Lord and what he has given us to have knowledge of himself, to knowledge of him, uh, which is what we ourselves have to know and desire, then uh, we have to start looking things, at things from, from God's perspective, which again is something that overall Solomon, as the preacher of Ecclesiastes, is learning as well as now expressing what he went through. And a lot of times when you think about it, he's saying, I went through this so that you don't have to go through this. I experienced these things and, and, and felt the consequences of them so that you don't have to do that. So keeping those things in mind, we're dealing with the poverty of pleasures now as we begin. And I want to read the first 11 verses of, of chapter 2 as our text for tonight. In verse 1 it says, I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. In other words, I will, I will test thee with mirth, and therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. Notice what he says about it. It's vanity. It's worthless. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of mirth, what doeth it? What does it do? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom. And to lay hold on folly or foolishness, till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works. I builded, my, uh, I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. 
I gathered me also silver and gold and, and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I get me men, singers, and women, singers, and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. And then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Wow. After all of that, there was no prophet under the sun. Clarence Darrow, the great criminal lawyer of years gone by, had among his friends a young minister. You may recognize the name Clarence Darrow. He was quite prominent in the Scopes trial that had to do with evolution and creation in the schools. This was, of course, way, way back in the the 1930s, I believe. Anyway, he had among his friends a a young minister. This was considered strange for, for Darrow, since he was usually thought of as an atheist, an infidel, an agnostic. Darrow and this young minister were talking one day, And Mr. Darrow became rather nostalgic. He talked of his career and some of the famous trials in which he had been the lawyer for the defense. He said, this has been an exciting life. He made at least a comfortable fortune and he guessed he might be regarded as somewhat of a success. But then Mr. Darrow asked the young preacher, would you like to know my favorite Bible verse? And his friend said, indeed I would. Mr. Darrow said, you will find it in Luke chapter 5, verse 5. And he quoted a portion of that verse. He said, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. And he added, in spite of my success, That verse seems to sum up the way I feel about life. We have toiled all night and have taken nothing. No matter what one does in life, no matter what position he may obtain, no matter what he might come to own, if he leaves God out, the time will come when life itself will rise up and mock him with one word, the word nothing. Nothing. Can you just hear the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 8, verse 36? I know you've probably heard them. Jesus said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? 
You know that someone once defined real failure, uh, real failure as, and I quote, living without knowing what life is all about, feeding on things that do not satisfy, thinking you have everything only to find out in the end, you have nothing that matters. Solomon had come to this particular attitude In his life. The tragedy is that he began with God and the blessings of wisdom and riches and honor given to him by God. But the more his eyes moved away from from the Lord onto himself and the things which he had done, acquiring for himself great riches, greater was the sense of nothingness, greater was the sense of emptiness and futility, and frustration. His soul was in the prison of his own making. Too many people find themselves in that prison when when they think they have an unlimited source of money, and that that will bring unlimited satisfaction in a life filled with meaning and happiness. Too many still envy the wealthy and wish they had money to spend on the vain pleasures of The good life. If anyone had the potential for the good life, it was Solomon. He had plenty of money. He had a lot of pleasure. He had a lot of culture and fame. But he would admit that these things did not satisfy, nor did they last. He had already expressed his disappointment with wisdom and knowledge without the light and life of God. You know, we read that at the very end of Ecclesiastes 1, verses 17 and 18. Listen to him again when he says, And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. A deep troubling, you see, of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increases knowledge increaseth sorrow. There may be times, and maybe in the last few weeks, there have been times when we've had to reevaluate what's been going on. With so many of us, of course, having to stay in our homes. With some of us not being able to go out to work. It's quite possible. We, We don't know really the numbers, at least in our own in our own community of, of, of faith here. But there may be some who have had to set aside their jobs, depend upon unemployment, or whatever. This may truly be one of the reasons why we, the, the Lord has brought us to kind of consider these things right now, as we're going through this time. Because in reality, we're not here to trust in what this world has to offer. Who we are to trust in is the God that has made us, that has placed us here on this earth with purpose and meaning. Not just for this life, but especially for the life that is to come. Consider the words of of the psalmist in Psalm 36. 
Verses 5 through 12, we, we just sang about this. Where, 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 where the psalmist says in verse 5, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. We sang your love, O Lord. Well, love and mercy are, 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 are very uh, similar here. The understanding of love and mercy in, in the Lord toward us. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the rivers, or of the river of thy pleasures. And take note of verse 9, really the key verse here. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. You see, because only in God do we both have light and life. And especially life. That life is precious right now. To you and to your family. But it's more precious to the Lord about you and for you and for us. The psalmist continues in verse 10 and he says, Oh, continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee. Whoa, isn't that an interesting thing that we need to know the Lord? Not know about him, we need to know him. He says, Oh, continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me. And let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. I find that last verse kind of interesting here because I think it, it, it kind of really gives us a, a picture of, of what's happening around us. We have to realize that, you know, if we're living in the last days right now, and we're waiting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church. That there's already a deep state, a sinister element that is under, undergirding a lot of the stuff that is happening on the earth today. Even this virus. Even this pandemic. For whatever it's worth. Yet because God is in control. These workers of iniquity will be fallen. And they will be cast down. And they won't be able to rise. This is what we need to understand about the God that we are calling upon today. Whether we're all gathered in this room like we would want to be, or where we are today listening to God's word and this message. And so in the laboratory of life, Solomon would continue his experiments to find the answer to the question, is life really worth living? You know, I think it is sad to say, and, and you know, you don't see a lot of this. I heard a, a portion of it in, in, a, in, in one news item this past week. But, but it was very little, and it, wasn't, it, it didn't really say a lot. But, the, but, the, but the, the point that was being made was that there are some people today that are just 
you know, at wit's end and they, they're tired of what's going on and they're, they're, they're tired of being at home and some of them are just ready to take their own lives. And maybe they're asking that question, at this point in time, is life really worth living? Do you see how this whole issue, this whole event, if we may call it that, is getting us as believers in Jesus Christ to get serious about life and get serious about the life that God has given us to live? To get serious about the things that he said are going to happen in the last days? And take seriously prophecy. Prophecy is being lived out, folks. And yes, life is really worth living. But we have to watch and be careful of certain things. One of the things that Solomon had to deal with was the poverty of worldly pleasures. The poverty of worldly pleasures. The first thing that we're going to look at in verses 1 and 2 of this text Solomon said, I said in mine heart, go to now. Speaking to his heart, he said, go to, I will prove thee with mirth. I want to test you with happiness. And therefore enjoy pleasure. Now where is he at at this point? Under under the sun. (laughs) He's under the sun. I said in mine heart, go to now, I will test thee or prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure. And what was his finding? And behold... This also is vanity. That was a quick experiment. <laughs> this is, it's, it's, it's vanity, it's worthlessness, it's emptiness, it's, it's futility. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of mirth, what doeth it? I believe one translation says, what, what does it accomplish? What does it do? What does all this laughter do for us? First of all, this man of wisdom, Solomon, turns himself into a man of pleasure. I said in mine heart. Solomon conversed with himself about pleasure and about laughter. I suppose that if you just kind of feel down, you got to get something to kind of perk you up, maybe get somebody to make you laugh or say something that'll at least get a smile on your face, right? Not too many smiles going on today. You, you think, you know, we, we, we watch TV. I want to talk a little bit about this more later, but, you know, we, we watch TV nowadays, and, and what's, what, what, is all, what, what is all the TV about today? I mean, you can watch, you know, sitcoms or, you know, dramas or whatever, but if you get to the news, if you get to the sports, you get to the weather, you get to all these other things, and it's all about the coronavirus. That's what it's all about. Have you seen how many commercials? I mean, commercials, just playing old commercials. Everything's about the coronavirus. We're all in this together. Oh, we're alone, we're, but we're, we're alone together. <laughs> Try to figure that one out. It's hard to find good laughter. Solomon said, but that's vanity. There's a contrast here between Solomon and his godly father, David. 
In Psalm 57, in verses 7 through 11, David wrote this. He said, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. Now, we all know that David was a man. He was human. He made his, he made his mistakes, just like we've made our mistakes. But one thing that, that God always honored in David's heart and David's life was his faithfulness to God. David never bowed his knee to an idol. He never bowed his knee to anything other than to God. Yes, he made his mistakes. But understand what he said. My heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. It is not going anywhere. I will sing and give praise. Awake up my glory. Awake psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. We can attribute many of the Psalms, of course, in the, in, in the book of Psalms to David himself. He was a man of worship and a man of praise and a man of prayer and a man who honored his God. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, he says, Bless, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Never forget what God has done for you. Never forget what God has provided for you. Never forget what God is doing for you now. A steadfast heart, which is what David had, a fixed heart is a steadfast heart. A steadfast heart filled with praise and gratitude to the only one who supplies all our need according to his riches and benefits. This was David's life. And it was David's life through thick and thin. It was David's life when all things were going well. It was David's life when all things were falling apart. It was David's life when he came back to the Lord. It was David's life when he was having to face the consequences later in life. But he never left his steadfastness from God. And he never left his God. And that brings us to a second point. Because a great downward step is taken when we move from the ways of God to the pit of an empty mind, seeking the benefits of earthly pleasures. I want to repeat that. A great downward step is taken when we move from the ways of God to the pit of an empty mind, seeking the benefits of earthly pleasures. There are things that we need in, on, this, on this earth. There are things that we need in this life. God said, I'll provide them for you. And he always does. We are never without what God knows what we need. And he knows what we need before we even ask it. But I want you to consider one statement. One pleasure, one earthly pleasure might bring with it a thousand woes. One earthly pleasure might bring with it a thousand woes. Solomon surrounded himself with people who would keep him amused. But after a while, even jokes and laughter can grow stale. 
It is incredible how many comedy clubs, both live and on TV, have popped up in the last 30 to 40 years to keep people laughing. Stand-up comics have had for a, uh, for a time some of the highest-rated shows on television, the platform to spew out their irreverent and oftentimes blasphemous views on life. You can see that in some of these late-night talk show hosts as well. And there are even some in the church who are looking to find joy through laughter, as if that were the catalyst for true and lasting revival. Which, by the way, reminds me, how long did the, the laughter revival last? didn't last very much. I know there's still pockets of it going around here and there. But was it of the Spirit? Not even close. It wasn't of the Spirit. That's not what the Lord is all about. But take into consideration, if you will, this passage written by Solomon in another time in his life, a time when he was focused on the wisdom that God had given him, to give to his sons. He writes in Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Now, stop there and just think. You would have hoped that with that statement alone, Solomon would have said, I think I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay with wisdom. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. The gain of wisdom more than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things thou canst, canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. There have been times when I've, I've, I've talked about the peace that we are to have in the Lord in spite of all of the struggles and trials that we may be facing. That peace comes from the joy of the Lord. As we learn in the book of Nehemiah, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And joy and happiness, happiness is something the world seeks after. Joy is what God gives us so that we can trust that through any situation, we will have his peace, we will have his grace, we will have his mercy, we will have his understanding, and we will have his love. Because we will always have his presence with us. In the next chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs 14, verse 13, Solomon writes, Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. Speaking again from the standpoint of what the world seeks after. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. So here's a third point to consider. And by the way, we're not saying that we can't that we can't laugh or we shouldn't laugh. No, no. But again, it's how we look at things and from what perspective we're looking at them. Are we looking at things from the perspective of heaven or from God's perspective? Or are we looking at the perspective of this earth and man's view of things? And then here's the third point to consider. Consider. 
Happiness, what, what does it really do? What does happiness really accomplish? What is it worth in the long run? In and of itself, nothing. In and of itself, nothing. Beware of the heart cleaving to things pertaining to time and senses. That's the time continuum of the earth that God has given to us from creation. Time keeps rolling on. Time keeps ticking. And it keeps ticking until time will be no more. The senses. God gave us five senses. And that to take in and to, you know, to be warned and to be aware of things and, and all to taste, to, to make sure that everything is, is good on, under, under, the, uh, under the sun. But senses will be gone. If we are now in the presence of Almighty God and we will have the, the joy of the Lord and we will be in the presence of the Lord forever in new bodies after the rapture, after death, what then? We'll have new senses, totally different than what we have today. So beware of the heart that wants to cleave to things pertaining to time and senses. We do not need to go to the world for happiness. Its resources always have their end. I I quote this passage often, but it it really does fit for us here tonight. I mean, 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, John writes, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love, love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now notice this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Love not the things in this world. Do we love certain things in this world? Well, I guess we can use the the word love cautiously. It has really a lot of, of limits to its to its usage, or, or I should say it, it, it could also have a lot of broad meaning and senses. I mean, you know, some people can say they, they, you know, they love to see the mountains and, the, and they love to see clean air and they love to see the clouds, they love the rivers and oceans and all. And we say, you know what a wonderful earth God created? And we love God and we love our family and we love hot dogs. Or pizza. <laughs> we love a lot of things. But we don't use that word the same way, do we? We actually mean we like a lot of things. We like them. But to really, truly love something, there's a depth to that word. And then think of this question. What, what of Jesus Christ? What of Christ Jesus our Lord? What, what does he say? What, what does he chime in with here that we need to hear? To the woman at the well in, in Samaria. Jesus said something of great significance that we need to listen to in John 4, verses 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, the water of that well that they were standing by, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. See, that's the world. 
You know, we get something and then we, we need it again and we need it again every day. You know, the body needs moisture. The body needs water. The body needs food. The body needs rest. And Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. That's a different kind of water. That's a different kind of water and a different kind of source. And the only source of that water is Jesus Christ himself. And he goes on to say, But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. It's a water that gives us meaning and purpose and, and direction. Doesn't keep us here. Because that water for us who believe, who trust, who know and depend upon the Lord each and every day of our lives, that well will never be empty. That well will never run dry because it will spring up into everlasting life. And then we will see the source of that water, the water that comes directly out of the throne of God and flows forever in the kingdom of our God and our Savior. That's the contrast that we need to understand and the contrast we need to see. The pleasures in this world, though some of them are, are, are a blessing of God, but when we seek the things of this world as if they are the things that are going to keep us sustained and keep us healthy and wealthy and wise, they won't last. The only thing that keeps us healthy, wealthy, and wise spiritually is what God has given us in his word and what God has given us of himself by sending his only begotten son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who lived in flesh without sin, died on the cross for our sin and was buried, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and in three days rose from the, from the dead to give us that eternal life to whomsoever will come to him and believe. There is a poverty of the pleasures of this world. We need to look at it from that perspective. The second thing that we need to look into is the shadows of sensual pleasures. The shadows of sensual pleasures. Here in verse 3 of Ecclesiastes 2, notice the next level down that Solomon went. I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. If all the days of their life, if you think about it, if all the days of their life were only on this earth, which we know it won't be. So, could Solomon have been thinking this? Could Solomon have been thinking, maybe the secret is trying wisdom and pleasure together. For you notice that that's what he says. I gave myself to wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, 
made old on folly, you know, but maybe the secret is, is trying wisdom and pleasure together. The only thing that that caused was an imbalance. Solomon fell into a loss of balance. How could he expect to find what was good for the sons of men while he was making provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof? By the way, that, of course, was, was Paul's statement when he said in Romans 13, verse 14, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh. How many people today are wanting to walk with one foot in the world and one foot in the church? And we come to realize that that's not really possible. I mean, it, it's to a, to a certain extent somewhat possible in that some people are really trying it a lot and, and, and trying to fulfill some of the experimentations of, of Solomon's laboratory here. But eventually it's not going to work. And this is what he's trying to say to us. It doesn't work. And Paul then makes it very clear what the contrast is. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You put on the righteousness of Christ. You put on the garments of holiness and of righteousness that come because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And you don't make provision for the flesh. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And yet Solomon was still desiring answers. And so he plunged into the all-encompassing worldly philosophy as pointed out by the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 22, I think you'll understand what I mean when you read these two verses, verses 12 and 13, Isaiah 22. And in that day did the Lord God of hosts call to weeping and to mourning and to baldness and to girding with sackcloth. He's telling Judah and Israel, he says, listen, you need to be weeping, you need to be mourning, you need to, you know, shave your head, which is a sign of, of, of mourning and, and girding sackcloth. But notice the contrast, verse 13. He calls, God calls them to weeping and all, but verse 13 says, And behold, joy and gladness. Which is saying what they did was the opposite. And behold, joy and gladness, slaying oxen, killing sheep, eating flesh and drinking wine. And here it is, here's the worldly philosophy, and let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. Let's get what we need now. On this earth, at this time, because this is all that matters now. What matters is what we see. What matters is what we feel. What matters is what we taste. What matters is what we do here and here alone. Now, could anyone hope to maintain communion with God this way? Could anyone hope to maintain communion with God this way? Solomon discovered that you can't. That ultimately you cannot. And once again, Paul clarifies for us something we studied a while back, but not too, too long ago. Colossians 3, verses 5 and 6, when he tells that church, Mortify therefore your members, put to death your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness 
inordinate affection, evil concupiscence or lewdness, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. These things will be judged. And not only will these things be judged, but those who participate in them. And who participating or who participate in them in rejection of the truth, of the righteousness, and of the godliness that God has called us as believers to. Listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 4, verses 6 through 8. There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart, more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. Does that bring to mind your your old prayer? Now I lay me down to sleep. But David says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. You know, we live in a world that does all it can to try to establish fear in our lives. But John was so clear when he wrote, but perfect love casts out all fear. The only perfect love that there is is the love of Jesus Christ for you. We don't have to put our heads on a pillow and then just turn and toss all night long because we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. Remember, we know the one who holds tomorrow already in his hands. What are you worried about? Jesus is in control. He has seen the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. The third thing that Solomon deals with is the poverty of the rich. The poverty of the rich. He said in verse 4, I make I made me great works. I want you to notice what he's saying. Now, he's saying this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he's revealing a pride that he fell into. Listen, I made me great works. I, I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water there with the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in, the, in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I get me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great. <laughs> wow. So I was great. 
and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Thanks to the Lord. (laughs) And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. Behold, all was vanity, worthless, and empty, insufficient, and futility, and vexation of spirit deep troubling of spirit. And there was no prophet under the sun. Possessing all things, having nothing. That is what Solomon is saying. He possessed all things, and he had nothing. Nothing of any spiritual value, nothing of any eternal value. The grass withers. The flowers fade away. But the word of our God will last forever. He planted. He built. He acquired. He gathered. All for what? In his great experiment, he was empty. Contrast that, if you will, with the Apostle's statement. The Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 4 through 10. Listen carefully to this servant of the Lord. Who had at one time had the same kind of pride as Solomon. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But listen to him here. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 4, But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed. Now listen carefully to verse 10. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. What a contrast between Paul and Solomon. Yet Paul was like Solomon before he came to know Jesus Christ. 
So when Paul, or I should say, when Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 11, then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought. When I looked at all the things that my hands had fashioned, according to my wisdom and according to my way of wanting things done. On the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity. And the vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Nothing came of it all. The pleasure faded with the novelty. In the end, money and the pleasures that it buys does not lift us out of the realm of world or worldly futility. No, it doesn't. And I I can tell you that this time that we're going through right now as the church, meeting the way we're meeting today, it should remind us how precious eternal values are, how precious eternal things are to desire and to want to have. Just simply the fellowship of the saints the opportunity to do the work of the ministry and the blessing to share the love of Christ. I want to close with two statements of Jesus. And hopefully in those two statements, we can answer the question that I'll give you at the end. Luke 12, verses 13 through 21. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Now listen carefully what Jesus said. I want to explain something to you here. And he said unto, man, unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Now, a lot of times people see that statement of Jesus as saying, hey, who am I to, you know, get in the middle of what you want me to do? What are you coming to me for? But don't look at it that way. I want to read it again to you. The man came to him saying, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said unto him, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? You know, that requires an answer. You know who did? His father. His father, God, made him a judge and a divider, in a sense, over them. He says, you should be looking to the God who made you and your brother. Then he said this. He said unto them, take heed. And beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, 
drink and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What a statement, what an answer to that man's question. Last thing I want to share is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your heart tonight? That's not the question, but where is your heart tonight? Where is it? Is it in the things that we're seeing here, the things that we're looking at, the things that we're not able to reach for today because we've been kept from those things because we're not at our workplace or we're not with our families or we're not where we would want to be. The question that I do want to ask is this. Are you rich toward God? Are you rich toward God? When our focus is on the things of this world, Our hearts are far from that place where our treasures are. And if we're believers in Jesus Christ, then this world has nothing, and Christ is everything. Now, we can be thankful for what we do have, and we should be every day thankful. Thankful for God having met our every need. But we realistically know that all of this, all that we see, everything you see in your homes right now, none of that will we take with us. None of that matters in the long run. None of that matters eternally. What matters is the treasures that are laid up in heaven. Are you rich toward God?